0: Hello, and welcome to House Annie. I'm your host, Charlie Ashby, and joining me as always is my amazing co-host, Emily Lind. How you doing, Emily?
1: I'm good, Charlie. How are you doing?
0: I'm... Doing slightly okay. I'm not feeling as well this week, so I do apologise for my listeners for sounding a bit dull. But apart from that, all good. Uh, if anything can heal me, it's the soothing tones of James Hurley. Boo! Just you. God
1: damn it! I'm quitting the podcast. I'm quitting the podcast. And,
0: uh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and this week we're joined again by our friend and fellow podcaster, Patrick Bonfrisco. How are you doing, Patrick? Doing well, doing well. But don't sing that song again, please. <laughs> Will you be joining us together? <laughs> Forever. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a good song. I know we, we have to talk about this later, but I love the idea that the announcer for the um, the Roadhouse comes up for the big bands. So the chromatics yes. now not not big enough. Um, the only two acts that are big enough for so his announcement, are the Nine Inch Nails mm-hmm. <laughs> and James Hurley. Hmm.
2: <laughs> I I kind of thought the same thing. Hmm. When he walked out, when he walked out, I thought, okay, are we getting another massive band? What's this going to
0: be? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my god.
0: I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> Can someone make us a poster for James Hurley where it just has, you know, like, in like, film posters it has, like, a <laughs> Sort of a critical analysis and it just says, hmm. Patrick Bonfrisco
2: <laughs> 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 Yeah, it should be uh it should be like uh one of those gig posters where, where it's you know, one night only at the roadhouse and then a bunch of reviews
0: at the bottom about how wonderful he is and then just uh He says, Hmm Patrick, <laughs> Emily and please don't sing that song again, Charlie. Terrific <laughs> five stars <laughs> The tour's called Big Head, Big Heart. (laughs) Anyway, we're here to talk about part 13 of Twin Peaks The Return. And what better way to start off than the Mitchum brothers and the assistants with Dougie Jones doing a little dance around the the office and bearing gifts? It's the best song in the world. I don't quite understand what song it is. It's this weird sort of casino remix.
1: And the music is really weird in this scene. Like, there's something slightly off kilter about it that I couldn't quite figure out what was going on.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'm not quite sure what the music is, but it's like this weird sort of strange little. uh, It's this.
2: It's it sounded like like a um, like music you would hear coming out of a like a, a slot machine or something you know like an old broken one.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, no. Now that you say that, that definitely is like that's that's like video poker or or slot machine music. Yeah,
2: yeah. It just to me sounded like casino floor noise, and that maybe that's music to their ears. You know, you work there long enough.
0: For me, I like to think it's casino carnival. <laughs> I just. Because people get very frustrated about the Dougie storyline, and it's unrealistic, but I just love the, the pure luck of Dougie Jones. Mm-hmm. He seems so happy in this scene, but he just doesn't know where he's going.
2: He could barely walk, but he can dance.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Anthony Sinclair, the guy who's been hired to go to the brothers and tell them, to, to, he's given them undeniable proof that he thought at the time that Dougie framed them, and that the next things he sees is them doing a little jig together in the office, um, (laughs) swelling their heads off. And now he has to go and kill them.
1: I liked this scene because one of the things is, like, as soon as, like, when we first saw Anthony, because it's Tom Sizemore, and Tom Sizemore is always, like, kind of scary and and a tough, like, dude. And so I sort of thought that's what he was going to be on this show, because it's Tom Sizemore, and that's what I always think when I see Tom Sizemore. But... He's just this like big coward.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. that's not at all what I expected. Yeah, exactly. That should be his nickname, the coward. And it's 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 just hilarious that he's he's sort of scared of this um, impressive man who's basically just a comatose man <laughs> who has no idea what's going on. And obviously, because the Mitchum brothers are so happy about um, Dougie, he's. Um, They've got gifts for Mullins, and they've also got gifts for Sonny Jim, who has a Sunny Jim set. I'm calling it a Sunny Jim set.
1: Oh my god, no you're not. I am. Ugh.
0: And then uh, Jane and Cooper Cooper, uh, sorry Dougie, watch him play on the um, the most amazing Jim set I've ever seen in my life.
1: Well, it has like a spotlight. and.
0: It has a spotlight, <laughs> yes. a giant bridge, and it plays Swan Lake.
1: This just goes to my number one saying in life, which is always make friends with gangsters.
0: Right. <laughs> God.
1: Like, if there's one piece of advice you can take, that's it: always make friends with gangsters.
0: Do a Dougie Jones. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> follow that advice, kids.
1: And then, then, then we go to Western Montana. Yeah, and and things get well, weird. You know, before we move on
2: there, was was I the only one that was a, a little confused about the timing of all of this? Because, again, it seems like maybe we're not seeing things in the time they happen, because Janie was talking about him being missing for a few days, and I just assumed that meant this picked up after he was in the desert with them. But then last episode, we saw him throwing the ball with Sonny Jim. So I'm i am a little confused did he come home, throw the ball, and then disappear again? You know, or, or are we watching this out of order?
0: I think that the whole season is out of order.
1: Oh, we got to be watching this out of order.
0: It has to be.
2: That's what I'm thinking. I think there's – and there's other things that come up in this episode that make me think that as well. But we'll get to them later. But I just wanted to get – I just wanted to see if I was the only one. But, yeah. it.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the, the it ball-throwing seemed... scene is the thing that throws it out of the loop because she mentions that he hasn't seen – he didn't come home last night. And that was because he was busy. Right with um, the old lady from the casino and eating pie but yeah the ball one is the sort of scene that throws it out of loot
2: that's just what I wanted to check if if I was imagining things or if I had, I had missed some clue but thanks thank you for Okay, clarifying
0: <laughs> well anyway we're going to the next scene which is where we go to like said Montana which my immediate thoughts were uh, Leland says you're going to Montana <laughs> so Mr. C arrives at the farm which doesn't look like a farm of course it doesn't, uh, where we see Ray and his associates watching him on the security camera.
1: Oh, a really big screen security camera.
0: Giant screen, yeah. <laughs> it's almost, it's like the most amazing screen. Um, Mr. C comes in with these horrible sort of blackened eyes. We, we meet Renzo, I believe, is the leader of the pack. Yes. Um, who is very good at arm wrestling, apparently.
1: And also has the best line ever, which is "You didn't, you didn't kill him too good, Ray." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, poor Ray! Like he tried his best. Um, yeah, and then we just see Mister C versus Renzo in the most ultimate, uh, ridiculous scene ever, where it's an arm wrestle to the death.
1: It's so good! I loved everything about this scene.
0: What about you, Patrick? What was your
1: uh, yeah. You know what?
2: I I thought they were going to do something that I've seen in other movies where he was going to end up like ripping his arm off or something. And I was like, nah, don't do that. And they went a totally different way. And just <laughs> every line that Mr. C had about, you know, this this hurts. Let's go back to starting position. <laughs> it's just like this is so fantastic. And I just loved that when he got there, they had these rules established that seem ridiculous but kind of work you know if you can beat me in arm wrestling you're the boss but it it, you you could leave right now but if you stay in arm wrestling you work for me forever and (laughs) i I bought in right away i'm like okay this this works i I don't know why it seems ridiculous but and for some reason it just kind of worked for me that this crime lord knew he was a good arm wrestler and would just establish this one rule and that it kept everyone in line. And every single one of those guys was just, you knew that if Mr. C w- won, they were going to fall in line. There wasn't going to be any, we're still loyal to this other guy. It, it, it just, everything about it worked for me and it, and it probably shouldn't have and it wouldn't have on any other show, but this is Twin Peaks.
0: Yeah. And like you mentioned just then, it's when we watched that scene of him, sort of like the, the classic trope of obviously his arms will sort of break. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> I, don't know. I hope we don't hear, I'll see that because, you know, David Lynch is amazing with the sound effects, and he would be as yeah. pure as possible. And not only did he show us his arm break, he then punches him so hard it kills him in the face. Yeah, and
1: caves in his face.
0: <laughs> it's so disgustingly like amazing. I just I was like, well, that's more than I can imagine. Terrific, and um, like don't mess with Mr. C.
1: No, he's actually. I mean, it's 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 an interesting combination of being really goofy and really quite scary. I mean, partially that is. I mean, the the context lenses they have, Mister C, and that that make his his stare so effective. That dead-eyed, like
0: like a shark,
1: just completely, completely calm through all of this.
2: And. This this idea that he could hit a man that hard is something I haven't really thought about with Mister C. It's like we know he we have some supernatural things going on here and that he's carrying around Bob inside of him, but we you know I don't we haven't really seen that before where the person that was possessed had that kind of superhuman strength.
0: Nadine,
2: I was well that's (laughs) what I was going to say. The only superhuman strength we've seen thus far is Nadine, so that creates a, a new element of. What's going to happen when the good Coop and bad Coop face off against each other? That he's this is another thing he's going to have to deal with. They have an so armor soul. There's obviously. a lot going on. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> just... So, I mean, it, it, if it is a matter of uh, the bad Coop has extra strength because he's got the spirit of Bob, then I really hope that the good Coop can draw on some some Dougie Jones power and have the extra luck. <laughs>
0: I wish I had Dougie Jones power as well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> right baggage and play the lotto. Um Yeah, and then obviously once the new leader is, is been christened uh, Lord Bob, um, he asks to be left alone with Ray, who um he shoots in the leg and tells him about the idea of talking with um Philip Jeffries, who gives mm-hmm. him the idea of killing Mr C. As he has something inside that he wants.
1: I do. I do really briefly want to mention because I thought it was such a nice touch. Is is before that when everybody else is left, and then you just see the guy standing there in like the cardigan.
0: Yes. Yes. And
1: he's he's like this accountant looking dude, and he asks mm-hmm. if he asks if if Mister C needs any money, and then even when he's told no, he just wanders off, mm-hmm. and like because when when we first see that guy, I thought it was some sort of like vision that Coop was having. Like I thought, this was yet another like spirit thing. I mean, obviously, then as soon as he like he talks, I'm like, okay, no, that's actually just a dude who's for some reason part of this gang.
0: <laughs> he's, he's the nervous accountant. <laughs> yeah, that was like, a lovely little scene that he he didn't want to leave him without uh, offering a, a nice little bit of service. Just like Do you want some money, drop some sweets. No, all right, I'll go then. Um, but yeah, like we hit he- we hear that obviously the whole idea that. Philip Jeffreys, or is it him? Because even Ray doesn't know if it's truly Philip Jeffreys. Um, but he has—he wants to kill Bad Coop, because there's something inside that he wants.
1: Something inside that they want.
0: But how does that work? Because obviously, the doppelganger, like the whole idea is that obviously Ray takes out the Green Ring, which he was told that he has to put on Mr. C when he kills him. And then once Mr. C kills, um, kills Ray, whilst he's wearing the ring... He gets transported back to the to the red room, which obviously suggests that the plan was to kill Mr. C. Put while he has the ring on, which then takes him back to the red room. Does that mm-hmm. mean that the yeah. spirits are working against Bob?
2: That's what I assumed. I I assumed that whoever he's been communicating with is probably actually Mike, whether it's Mike working through someone else to pretend to be Philip Jeffries or um it just that seems to be, you know, Mike Mike's working on a plan to get Bad Coop's body back into the red room because the thing inside that they want is is Bob. That's the only sense I could make out of all of this.
0: So you think it's to imprison Bob back in the um the lodge? Because that way he yeah. can still escape, right? The same way he did with Leland, I mean.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would think that if, if uh if the doppelganger's body died that he would be able to move on somewhere else. Because I think that's what Bad Coop meant when he said, Are you you know, he's asked, Are you still with me? I think he knows that the spirit could move on.
0: Interesting. What do you think, Emily?
1: Yeah, um again, I think that's the that's the only way I can put these pieces together is if you know I'm just gonna continue to call him Jeffries because that's that's the easiest. Is if Jeffries gave Ray this ring, th- that must be that must be the goal. And again, it's 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 gotta be Bob, because what else could be in him?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm starting to think maybe that, that Jeffries is actually working with Mike because we still don't know exactly what happened to him. Um, we know that he's aware of at least to sort of, some extent of the Blue Rose cases. And um, he could be a way of, like, for Mike to get involved with the sort of thing. And he's like the sort of opposite of Mr. C at the minute because he has a sort of connection with the FBI and obviously. So I'm, I'm still not quite sure. And then obviously we see Richard Horne join the group in the farm. And Patrick, you just mentioned the idea that Bob could potentially leave Mr. C. And
2: oh, don't say it. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> Do you think that once Mr. C sees? ray son in action bob is like hey i got a new body here i could just um take over this one instead
2: well i th- i think we we've we've all agreed there will be a season four but <laughs> if um uh, maybe at the end of this season they do wrap up the doppelganger but perhaps coop fails to to kill two birds with one stone and he defeats the bo- doppelganger but not bob and that could set up something for next season where it it You know, that would be kind of interesting. It jumps into the body of his doppelganger's son, (laughs) which would be another reason why you would need to bring Audrey back. And then maybe they're saving her story for next year. Again, being optimistic because I just want another year out of this. Um,
1: But what is what? what do you think Richard being here means in terms of what the character is doing, what the character knows? I mean, why why is he there?
0: Well, Ray seems to be a sort of, like, hitman of sorts, right? So if the group is just the, a bunch of, like, criminals and hitmen. I wouldn't be surprised that Richard Horne is connected with them.
1: In Montana?
0: Yeah, he's on the run. He's not going to stay in Twin Peaks, though, I think. Um,
1: well, I mean, I know I know he's on the run, but, like... One thing I found interesting, it's like, yeah, definitely, like, there's more stuff going on that these guys are all watching. But, I mean, Richard is there, like, it's not, like, he's not just arriving, like, he seems to know these guys, or at least they, they sort of, you know, don't... It's not like, oh, there's just a stranger here suddenly.
0: Well, I'm assuming that it's connected to Red's, like, drug dealing sort of operation, so... Like, the guy in the background when we first met Red, it seems to be these the same sort of guys. So it's like a big ring, world, around America. Or it's coincidence. And then, uh, we get to the most frustrating scene in the episode, I think which is um, the detectives in Las Vegas looking for the results of Douglas Jones. Oh, and... my God,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 really
1: quickly, really quickly, there's a, there, there's just there's another um, thing in that in that Ray scene, um, which, I mean, there, well, actually, there's two things. One is, at one point, Ray says to Mr. C, I know who you are.
2: That's right. I forgot about that. Thank you.
0: Which I wasn't... Hey, Carl McLachlan. <laughs> That was supposed to be cut out of the scene, but it just kept in there. Yeah, obviously, I think that means Bob. But does it, though? I don't know if it does mean that.
2: Or, uh, you know, maybe the guys that he's been working with, I'd have to go back and watch the first couple episodes, but maybe they don't think he is an an FBI agent or a former FBI agent. They just thought he was a criminal, but he knows who he is. Like, as in, I know your agent, Dale Cooper.
0: Well, Um, there's the idea that, actually, um, it's just what I sort of, if we, if they don't see the actual character of um, Philip Jeffries back, because obviously the, the timing of the episodes and the way it's structured is all messed up and hard to put together. Um, there's the idea that actually the sequence we see Dale Cooper in at the beginning of part one is from the future. Mm-hmm. So the person working against Mr. C is actually Dale Cooper. Uh, If that makes sense, so he knows who he is because
2: in this show that makes perfect sense. So, yeah,
0: which is why he, yeah, Yeah, dealing with Richard and stuff is because he, you know, Del Cooper doing it.
1: And we also learn that Jeffries is at the Dutchman Mm -hmm. Giant question mark. Because, because Ray Ray like right before Coop shoots him, Ray starts to say, "It's not it's not a real place." And then Mr C shoots him and says, "I know where it is, or I know what it is, mm-hmm. or something to that effect." Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, who knows? But
0: <laughs> maybe it's like the Jack Rabbit's Palace. Maybe it could be like a different opening entry point to the the Black Lodge. Anyway, who knows? Um, <laughs> we head back into <laughs> Las Vegas. And we see the detectives throw away the um, the fingerprints, which is hilarious just because it's the key to solving everything. And they're like, eh, who cares? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the FBI do pick up on
2: that trace, though. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that just because they threw it away and they're not going to follow up on it, that it should flag something that they pulled his fingerprints to begin with.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, much like the, the stuff with Briggs did.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if that's what links into what we saw last time on Twin Peaks where they ask about Las Vegas. And now that um, Gordon and that are looking out for Las Vegas and they come up with this sort of link there, that'll push them into that direction. We also see Sinclair talk to Detective Clark for poison. Because, you know, it's always good to have an inn in the Las Vegas Police Department when you want to poison Dougie Jones. What did you think about this scene?
1: Um, I don't know. I thought it, it's it's more just like seeing how pathetic Anthony really is. Yeah, and yet though
2: that he's connected to a lot of people, he already knew who to go to, and they obviously have a lot of history because it's the cop. All although he isn't surprised to see him, tells him, "You're know, you're not you're not supposed to be seen contacting me." So,
0: yeah, and Todd's operation is quite expansive, obviously. Yeah, exactly. We also then see. Well, briefly, we just mentioned this quickly. Um, Hutch and Chantel are driving and discussing about Mormons and how terrific they are. I suppose.
1: <laughs> you know, I think I mean partially. Partially, it's because it's 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 t- Tim Roth, but these scenes have such a sort of like Tarantino kind of feel to them.
2: Yes, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like it reminds you of the classic sort of pop fiction driving around having sort of mundane conversations while. Yeah, or like the- also being assassins who kill people.
1: Yeah, and like the reservoir dogs, like a virgin debate. Like, just that sort of casual, very like dialogue focused scene.
0: Yeah, it's like, again, I think they're, even though they're these assassins, it's a nice sort of um, break up and comedic part of the episode.
2: Yeah, they're the scenes that I always refer to as the criminals are people too. <laughs> <scenes>. <laughs> you know, here they are doing normal people stuff.
0: And speaking about bad people, obviously Janie E takes Cooper to work in their new car, which they get from the gangsters.
2: Oh, I thought you were trying to say Janie E's a bad person. I was
0: going to say, watch No, no, it. no. Janie E's a saint. <laughs> and then we see Sinclair wait nervously for Dougie um, and offers the game of coffee, which of course Dougie does not want to refuse at all. Coop goes over to observe the shop's pie and Sinclair laces his coffee. He returns and uh, looks at his um dandruff on his back yeah. which which breaks Sinclair down, who thinks that he's some sort of um I dunno, super intelligent detective of sorts that works out that he's trying to poison him. Um, and then he throws it right down the urinal before sort of breaking down again. What was your thoughts on this scene? Uh,
1: partially I wondered how Anthony has gotten away with anything so far. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What, because of his ineptitude, or...?
1: Well, just how nervous he is. I mean, he's been committing insurance fraud on what seems like a fairly massive scale. I guess because up to
2: this point, his crimes are, you know, paper-based and had to do with something he was probably very, I would assume, very good at. So you you take what he does for a living and...
0: He was the number one salesman.
2: Yeah, and do it wrong, basically. So he probably would know how not, not to get caught. And now he's... Things have been escalated, and he's thrust into situations that he just can't handle.
0: <laughs> and Ducky Jones is just so amazing at doing his job. He's such a good detective.
1: He draws really good stairs and ladders.
0: Mm-hmm. He does. He does, and he incriminates himself, which is pretty down, pretty darn impressive. I also love the bit where he throws the coffee away, and that, that- guy goes. That bad, huh? It's just (laughs) terrific. (laughs) Speaking about good coffee, we go to the Double R Diner, where Shelly gets a phone call from Becky, who um, is really upset that Stephen hasn't returned for two days, and I don't know why she wants him back, Mr. Slobbery Mustache. Um, But like any decent human being, she is then turned around and really happy and excited because... Shelley have invited her over for pie. I'm still waiting for um, Madge Kinemick to invite me around for pie. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be as excited as Becky was, and I'm I'm pretty certain that I'll be over Stephen pretty soon. What about you guys?
2: <laughs> this was another scene that I wondered if we're watching out of order, and I don't know what you guys think, or if there was anything to indicate that this had definitely taken place after. The last time we saw them, when we we actually saw the three of them together with with Bobby, it just, if I had put all this stuff in order, it would have made more sense that you you see her with him, and then now she's upset because he's disappeared, and then she gets the phone call and figures out where he's at. But I could be totally wrong.
0: Now, I disagree because we had this theory before, which is that, like with most abusive relationships, it's a loop.
2: I thought of that too, and, and I just assumed maybe that's what it was, but also since Shelley was made no mention of anything, well, then again, Shelly went through these same loops. but she, you know, She's it, going through
0: it again as well. <laughs> yeah,
2: true. All right, I concede this one, but I've got one more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of just, something about that felt off to me, and then when another scene that we're coming up to in a little bit that took place in the diner, really made me wonder, okay, wait, is all of this out of order? But I'll wait till we get there. Emily?
1: No, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cheers, Emily. <laughs> okay, let's just good. Um In the next scene, obviously, we see Sinclair tearfully confess his activities with Todd. Um, and he's really crying at the scene. Um, very, very wimpy. And um, he's both completely in love and Sort of intimidated by Dougie, who is just repeating what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Dougie. <laughs> I, I, I will Dougie. I'm sorry. It's the, it's the best. <laughs> I've never seen someone so so intimidated by a vegetable man before.
1: But I kind of like I like the fact that he's so grateful that he didn't become a murderer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still honest, and he's like sort of thing Janie E was talking about where the world is becoming a dark place but there there are these people like him where he was going along with it but he doesn't want to be like that and yeah there's just something sort of honest about him like even though he's a scumbag like at least he's trying his best and he nearly tries to wiggle himself out of it again when and it's like "I'm I'm not asking you I'm telling you to sort of bring this guy down and um I just love the idea that this simple operation to scam people has been completely undone by drawing of some ladders and stairs, <laughs> and we're in the diner scene now, which is the one you're talking about, Patrick. Yes, and I agree with you. Obviously, Bobby goes to the diner, sees Ed, for the, and we see Ed for the first time in 25 years. Finally,
1: fine. Okay, <laughs> so happy to see Big, and also I'm just happy because I think it was actually during the um, the Shelley and Becky phone call I tweeted okay, I'd like to see Big Ed now. And then three minutes later, there's Big Ed. And I have magical powers, and I'm very excited about that.
0: And we have to say, um, Emily did a few tweets about this episode, and a lot of them were liked by Piggy Lipton, who plays Norma, and we're very excited about that. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was the, the,
1: very excited about that.
0: The Big Ed uh, love goes around everywhere.
2: Since your tweets are coming true, I need you to start tweeting out that there's going to be a season four, and that Audrey's uh, this is all a dream. Okay. <laughs> that she's in a coma. All right, and, I'll work on it. And that she will live happily ever after, whether or not anyone else does. As long as Audrey's okay, and that, come on, you you wished you wished Ed back. Now you got to wish them back together. Make it happen.
1: Oh man.
0: <laughs> and Shirley gets back with Bobby. Well, yeah, that's a given. Or me, one. You know <laughs> <what I mean? laughs>
2: I think anyway. we'll just make you a list of things that you need to start tweeting
0: Yeah Basically um, But yeah this is uh, Obviously Big Ed looks Bloody amazing um, He looks younger than I do <laughs> <laughs> He's got the best haircut That the hair um, is incredible See I was watching this um, When I was watching this I tweeted Oh my god Big Ed and Norma crying face Because I was just over the moon They're together and then my heart was ripped out of its heart socket when I realised they're not together still. No, no. Big Ed is still alone, and I love the idea that Bobby and Big Ed are sort of friends with each other now, like because yes. they're bookhouse boys and stuff. And he's like, "Come on, sit down." Like before, last time we saw them properly, I think was um, him pulling him away. With the, James and Bobby were trying to beat each other over Laura's grave. Um,
1: yeah, I liked that, and I loved, I loved how excited Bobby was that they found this stuff of his dad's. And, like, Ed seemed really, like, interested and happy for him.
0: Yeah, he's like a classic, come on, sit down. Like, he's like, he's, got, he's just so warm. Like, I, oh, we love Big Ed, right?
2: Oh, my God, of course. Oh, my God, yes.
0: And I like the idea that Bobby and Big Ed are sort of kindred souls. They're both wearing, um, the same type of shirt, flannel shirt. They're both piling over a diner girl. Mm-hmm. Who would never be with them again? Um, Don't say that. It was. <laughs>
2: um, I just love that they've both gone grey because it makes me feel like I'm in good company. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's the it's the it's the fashion in Twin Peaks, I think. Um, and then we see a character called Walter Lawford, Ugh. who soon shows up to ruin the dinner. Everything to ruin everything. Just he does ruin everything. Not only does he come in, he ruins. The idea that norma and big ed were happy um he makes bobby move again which is just rude
2: well he he walks in the diner and i'm pretty sure he looked at the camera and said hey you thought chad was the worst well watch this
1: <laughs> yeah walter is the new chad
2: he really is
1: because walter commits possibly the greatest crime that has ever happened on twin peaks which is he tells norma to change her pie recipe yeah, i know come on oh unacceptable
0: i just i just think it's it's just it's just it's just so horrible and um, yeah he's he's the worst he's up there with richard horn mm-hmm. um okay, okay probably not that far but he is a douche um i like the idea that norma has a, a franchise and that all the other franchises and even though they're doing well that the pie is a shite <laughs> and that the r and, the, the r and dino is doesn't have her name on the front of it because it doesn't need her name on the front of it. They know that the Twin Peaks diner is Norma's and she's there and she's still delivering some damn good pies. What if um Dougie goes to Twin Peaks and she's changed the pie formula and that's what wakes him up? He's like, what the hell? <laughs> this isn't damn good. What's going on?
2: Maybe it's the fact that she doesn't change it and that's what he's, he's eating these other pies and having other coffee. He needs to have coffee and pie there. And this is a hint to the audience that she hasn't changed the recipe in twenty five years.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Tweet that
2: out, Emily. Make it happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I still want Heather Graham to give it to him though. Annie, I mean. See that's what I that's the thing I was really wanting to hear is that I was I for a minute thought that they would say, Oh, the one of because the, they mentioned I think was it three of the franchises are doing really well? Yeah, and two were not, right? I really wanted him to say one of the ones that were doing really well was run by Annie.
2: I suppose we could just assume that for now.
0: I'm going to assume it.
2: She has to be somewhere.
0: Because, yeah, look, like, she's still a sister. She's <laughs> haven't mentioned her once. She didn't need really die. But anyway, yeah, we see that obviously she disagrees with the idea that Norma has to change the diner, and we're going to hope that she sticks to that. And speaking of Big Ed and lovers, we then go to run Silent Run Drapes.
2: Well, actually... We, oh, the timeline uh, thing. Yeah, yeah sorry. The no, we get thing. That, yeah. you guys caught this too, right? When he says, "Yes," what, what was the line? We found something from my dad's today.
0: Today, even though it happened like three weeks ago. Yeah,
2: so that's where I, that's where I just went. Okay, with, I, I don't. I officially don't know what's going on.
0: Honestly, I just think it's a timeline sort of thing where they the way that they thought oh, I would be good here. I'm interested because this has happened so much. and I'm really starting to think that the first scene we ever see might be towards the end of the season or we'll go back to that we'll see that it's near the end of the season i yeah i just think that there's more to it than meets the eye
1: yeah and i don't know if we're ever going to be able to to piece it together completely
2: that's what i was thinking too i mean do
0: you think though
2: that before before the season ends they'll do something to at least definitively say yes you've been you know we've been showing you this out of order
0: You've been lynched.
2: Maybe not put it in order for us, but to make it very clear, um, and then and Could then that be. would just leave it to us to go
0: figure it out. I just think it reminds me of you know when Coop goes in the purple room and time sort of shifts a bit forward and then shifts a bit back. That's what it reminds me of. That the, all these scenes are slightly out of loop with the others. I don't know if they have to. Desc- I don't. I don't know if they have to go into detail about that. I think it sort of comes across that the idea that we're discussing this. I think that there will be a scene towards the end that's. Sort of helps explain that, but I don't know if um, it'll focus on that too much.
1: I think there might be something big. Like, we, we sort of, we've gotten these clues of these little things that are that are out of order, but maybe there's something, like, really significant that's out of order that's going to change, sort of, the way we're seeing everything happen. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. But anyway, we go to Run Talent Run Drapes where Nadine is visited by Dr. Amp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After he spots one of his shit shovels in the window, he expresses how happy is to see it in there and she sort of returns the favour and sort of goes really crazy about his show and then they um, they talk about their last meeting together.
1: Seven years ago What did you think about this? When she was looking for a potato that yes. she had dropped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see, I thought this scene was really sweet because obviously we know that like the secret history in season two of Twin Peaks, like Edina and Doctor Jacobi have got this nice little relationship and um it's still ongoing and um I think it's just really sweet to see them sort of talk about all this stuff going on and then there being this sort of human connection and that uh, he didn't have to stop and say thank you, but he does anyway.
1: I mean, I'm always happy to see more of Dr. Jacoby. I, I I really love him. And after seeing all these scenes of Nadine watching him, it was nice to have this meeting.
0: Yeah, and it truly feels like we're actually seeing Dr. Jacoby for the first time. Like the way he talks and stuff. Like obviously before we've seen Dr. Am.
2: Exactly, yeah. He's been in character up until this point.
0: Yeah, we get that classic sort of Dr. Jacoby smile when sort of the way he talks is that down-to-earth friendly sort of guy. As opposed to the aggressive, fuck them. Like, even when he's talking about that, it's like, yeah, you know, it's us against them. It's like, oh, it's kind of sweet. Anything else to add to that, Emily?
1: No, I don't think so. I just thought it was a nice little scene.
0: I love any of these scenes where we
2: get, I guess we could call them Twin Peaks legacy characters, interacting with each other that we haven't seen so far this year. Every time they cross paths, it just, I love it. I love it. I mean, we do get a lot of them with new characters, and that's fine too. And, but uh, just especially something like that that I just didn't expect to see on this particular episode. It was great.
0: And speaking of legacy characters, we then see Sarah Palmer in the house again, um, drinking and watching the same boxing match, like the same segment of a boxing match, on a loop over and over again. And not only is it on the loop, we hear like a weird electrical sounds every time it loops. Um, What's going oh, on? God.
1: I mean, what what's really disturbing about the scene is that that she doesn't react to it at all.
0: Yeah, she's sort of just used to it.
2: I I almost wonder—is this a hint that that we're not watching things out of order, but that, that some things in Twin Peaks are are happening on a loop? Did did Bobby find the thing from his dad a few days ago, and he's? We've gone around a loop and he found it again. I mean, something's clearly up. Yeah, I kind of feel
0: like, is it just, like, is it a loop like we mentioned before? Because we mentioned quite a few things seem to be repeating themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like that classic phrase, it is happening again. Right. Like, um, like the, as soon as we get closer to this event, weird stuff starts happening. Um, these murders keep recurring and, like, uh, Becky's kind of like Shelley. Shelley's still doing what she's doing. Like the same sort of thing, repeat themselves over and over again. I think that's what it kind of reminded me of, and that's what sort of Sarah mentioned last time. It happened to me, this bad stuff happened to me, it's going to happen mm. again. And um, the fact that she has no sort of reaction to that is that she's used to it now. And I feel like she's sort of drinking her way out of that and trying not to think about it too much. And that's why she keeps buying it in bulk, sort of like Laura, trying to get rid of that pain.
1: Um, One thing I was wondering, you know, have either of you read, was this was this boxing match segment like a a real boxing match? Because sometimes, like the I'm like, not quite because, sure. Just because I'm I'm sort of like the stuff that that Lynch and Frost choose to put in the show. Yeah, always has some sort of you know significance or at least some significance that you can as a, an audience pin on it. So I wasn't sure whether that was a real thing.
2: That's a great question. I want to look that up. The the significance I pulled from it was that. She wasn't watching a new boxing match that was looped. She was watching something old. So I just that was kept looping. So I just thought the message there was history repeating itself. But you're right. There could be so much more in this. Of if this was an actual match, then we need to do our research on what happened. In this I match. mean, no. I mean, I have no <laughs> you know, idea the, about the rabbit hole boxing, gets deeper and deeper. But... No, I, neither. neither yeah, you know, I have no idea who was what that fight was. But now I'm I'm very curious. I'm looking online, and someone's asking the question if maybe one of those boxers was battling Bud, but I'd have to go back Oh, I
1: wondered that, too, but I couldn't quite tell how old that scene was supposed to be, because, I, again, I know jack shit about boxing, so I can't, you know, I can't tell, oh, well, obviously that's from, you know, the whatever decade he would have been boxing in.
0: Also, this scene has my favorite Easter egg in it so far, um, which is Donna Hayward is <laughs> not the scene. What? I don't know. Where? Yes, Donna Hayward is in the scene. If you look closely, uh, in Sarah's house, obviously, there's a photo of uh, Laura Flynn Boyle's Donna Hayward with Laura Palmer. Really? I didn't even catch it. It's in the background, but it's there. So technically, Laura Flynn Boyle's in the scene. Well, that's interesting. Did that's that? interesting
1: that they went with Laura Flynn
0: Boyle. Yeah, I don't think that when they took the picture, I don't think more, what she was more careless at that moment. It was the next day. Huh. So obviously the next scene we see is Audrey Horn is demanding to tell Charlie uh what Tina told him and um he says to go to the roadhouse and she sort of just becomes very indecisive and breaks down crying, discussing.
1: There's 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 a lot in this scene. Um she's she's talking about how she how she feels like she's somebody else and well, I'm not sure who I am, but I know I'm not me.
0: Yeah, and it, it comes back to the idea of: Is this a coma? Is she in a weird sort of loop where is her brain dealing with everything? It seems to be that way, but then at the same time, she's referring to characters that we know in the in real life. So could it be like Richard Horn visits her and tells her this stuff, and that's where she gets these names? Because the only person we know connected to uh, Billy is Richard, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe he does care about his mum.
1: Hey, but also, I don't know. It's just such a I mean, definitely, she's, if not in a coma, she's not, I feel like she's not in a real place because this, this instant, like not wanting to leave when it actually becomes time to leave and, you know, asking where the roadhouse is, like she's, she's forgotten. Yeah. And there's also, there's this really ominous line from, from, from Charlie there which is, are you going to stop playing games or I'm going to have to end your story too?
2: Yeah, that was the line that really caught my attention.
0: It's freaky, right?
1: Yeah, and then, yes. and her response to it is, in like, what is that, the story of the little girl who lived down the lane?
0: Like I said, it's very childlike, right? It's like, uh, that's sort all of back to, well, it's, it's, I still don't think Audrey's mindset is out of that 18-year-old.
1: Yeah, because as soon as I heard, you know, it's such a, it's, it's it's you know, it's, it's the Baba Black Sheep line. It's it's the one for the little girl who lived down the lane, and such. It seemed so weird and off kilter and not not reality based.
0: Yeah, it it still feels like this weird sort of mixture of whatever her brain is trying to put together. And even the set itself looks very old fashioned, Mm -hmm. even for Lynch. Like it seems like a sort of old timey soap, like you know, like old soap. Like I, I just don't know. It's just very strange to me.
1: Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to to last episode. Uh, Charlie has this line about how how Audrey has her coat, and she's like, "Of course, I have my coat. I'm going out." But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like you know how in dreams suddenly suddenly you'll have something you didn't have
0: before. Right, right. Mhm. Yeah, totally. That's the sort of impression I got as well. Like, and it's the way he reacts as well. It just doesn't seem to make sense.
2: I kind of feel like at some point we'll end up at the hospital and that's going to be, you know, her, a doctor that's keeping her keeping her under for some reason. Somebody she had an interaction with. I don't know. It's just I feel like that will turn out to be a character. It wouldn't be somebody she just invented. But I could be completely wrong about that. But it, he seems too sinister. Like he's somehow up to something and there's some connection. I don't know. I don't know. This is that that's what I meant in last week's episode by we get two thirds of the way through and then they ask a whole new set of questions. <laughs> we it felt like we were heading somewhere and we're getting some answers and now a brand new mystery.
0: Absolutely, that's what half the fun is, right? Mm, oh absolutely, absolutely.
1: And I, I loved um Audrey's line of it's like ghost wooded here. Yes, because the like that that harkens back to the like the whole ghostwood yes development project and the and the save the pine weasels and the
0: oh so you think that the pine weasel might be something to do yeah universe. I think
1: I think Charlie is really a pine weasel <gasps> dun
0: dun dun that, that might... <laughs> wait which one Cause that's quite offensive <laughs> <laughs> anyway forget about Audrey Horn nobody really cares about that. Let's go to the hey. main attraction of the episode, no. James Hurley singing. <laughs> James. Just oh my God. You. the
1: fact that he is still singing this goddamn song, which is a cheesy enough song for a teenager to have written.
0: I tell you what, though, it got him with Laura and her cousin, so it does one. It does wonders. Um, yeah, I, re- I, I actually did a poll on our Twitter feed. Uh, Yesterday Emily Where I said um, That song that James sings Has it helped him seduce More than three women Five women Or the entirety of Twin Peaks And (laughs) people voted for the the final option So I'm, I'm Sort of agreeing with them Because it clearly works Because you know Once your girlfriend dies You obviously get with her best friend Who you actually loved all along And then you realise that you actually love her cousin who looks identical to her. And then um, you run away, fall in love with a woman, come back, have an accident, and fall in love with another woman, and make her cry by singing this lovely song that you still sound the same singing.
1: Oh, he's still doing that falsetto.
0: And I love the idea that this MC, um, he only announces big acts, which are the Nine Inch Nails and James Hurley. Chromatics? Nah nah, 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 nah. Not good enough. Not good enough. James Hurley, though.
1: So it's two announcements. One of whom he gets wrong. Yep. Cause it's just Nine Inch Nails. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, in the James Twin Her- Peaks universe, it is the Nine Inch Nails.
0: <laughs> See, I want it to be the James Hurley now.
2: Well, I mean, I think m- maybe part of it is he announces Nine Inch the Nine Inch Nails because they were the biggest act that came through, and he announces James Hurley because it's local boy. But I just got to say, that song may work on every every person in Twin Peaks, but I know two people it doesn't work on, <laughs> and they're both on this podcast
0: right now.
1: <laughs> oh, God, dear. I You're wrong. So You're
0: clearly wrong. It's the best song in the world. It's a, terri- it
1: doesn't, it's a terrible <laughs> you know, it's, song. It doesn't help by the fact that it's freaking James singing it, who has not ever been and never will be cool.
2: You're wrong. That song didn't work for me 25 years ago, and it doesn't work for me now. And it won't work for me in 25 years from now when we get the return to the return.
0: <laughs> I feel like you're being really r- offensive to James Hurley right now. <laughs> He's been through an accident, guys. Give him this break.
1: <sighs> no! <laughs> God damn it. Oh,
0: I'm, 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 I'm moving my hands, one. Are you trying to make Emily quit?
1: <laughs> Man, it's going to be Sorry. stuck in my head <laughs> for days.
0: For, oh, How long is it going to be stuck in your head? Together forever. Oh.
1: I'm not speaking to Chad anymore. Patrick, do you want to co-host a podcast with me?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I know what
2: it's going to be about, and it's got a better song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Me, me and Renee are crying here at James' Emotion. You are just killing me.
2: I feel like after that we need a we need a real palate cleanser.
1: Sarah and Duck. Sarah and Duck. Sarah and Duck. Sarah and Duck.
2: Now that's how you write a song.
1: No, oh, I think i, I god damn it. Oh, no. I should I feel like maybe oh, I should clarify for people listening to this podcast that Patrick and I are obsessed with the children's show Sarah and Duck.
2: We're being drowned out <laughs> oh
1: Jesus, I'd rather to listen to Sarah and Duck's tennis song, which is literally just Sarah singing tennis over and over and over again yes. <laughs> Sarah Duck is way cooler than James.
2: Totally. James doesn't have a duck.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah but he's got a big head. So <laughs> I'd like to see you fight that.
1: <laughs> okay, so oh, let's geez. get to the close of this so, episode.
0: God, oh, God, man. God, you know, Emily, sometimes I just want to get on my bike and leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James. <laughs> Oh James, I can't believe you're sleeping on you fancy everyone.
1: <laughs>
0: oh god. I hated him so much for the first time, but I love James in the return. He's the best.
1: No. <laughs> nope. Look, I came around just... on Bobby, but I'm not coming around on James.
0: Oh why not? He's the come on Because he's
1: the most boring boy who ever lived.
0: The only thing I don't like about him in this season is that obviously the next scene, the final scene, is Big Ed all alone, depressingly at Big Ed's gas farm. Where no oh. one's using the farm, and um, he could have spent time with James, but he's busy trying to get laid. <laughs> the rota singing the song he wrote 25 years ago with his dead girlfriend's cousin, who looked identical to her.
1: So it's just Ed sitting there eating his sad, like cup of soup or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, why do you have to break my heart, Show?
0: It's 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 devastating. Well, I, I,
2: from what I read online is that Lynch was wrapping up this episode and he said, well, I cannot end on the James song because it's so horrible. So let me give a shot of, of Ed, who's now depressed because he has to hear James practice that song every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, man, you know what? I, I, you guys had me on once before and we were talking about, I think it was shots from the trailers that we were most intrigued by. Yeah, with the James one and this this was mine
0: oh yes 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 with big this, ed this
2: was this was the thing that i they showed that just a clip of him sitting kind of in darkness and i was wondering what was going on and it turns out he's just lonely
1: what what, what do we think he's burning there
0: is it a picture of norma
2: i wondered the same thing yeah i had this horrible feeling like it's he gonna drop it and he's you know burned, burned oh, the gas God. station down with
0: himself inside. Jesus God, Patrick, you're a very big. I mean, of all it,
1: the ways to after who listen. kills themselves like that?
0: <laughs> the gas rod <bombs> just <laughs> oh, explodes. My
2: God. They've had 25 years to get Big Ed and Norma back together, and they just showed us that they're not. And then they brought in whatever his name is, the guy that's worse than Chad, so I could see them saying, you know what? You ha- you haven't had enough yet. We're going to kill Big Ed. Just just to teach us a lesson. I don't know what lesson, but I was so depressed watching it, I just thought, that's the only thing that could get worse. I mean, I just had to listen to James's damn song again that I thought I'd never have to hear.
1: <sighs> I... Sorry. I've never wanted to give a character a hug more than I wanted to Big- right? give Big Ed a hug.
0: Totally. He'll be fine. Oh my god. he could just go back in the diner and, you know, have an affair with Norma like they do all the time. It's great. It's very healthy, relationship-wise.
1: I don't want Big Ed to be sad.
0: I'm j- I'm j- I just can't wait to read Hawk's update to, <laughs> to the story. <laughs> Like he does in the secret history, like they're still not together. That that big lump. (laughs) It's just this depressing thing about Big Ed. Tell you what though, Mm. he'll he'll be fine. We'll see more. (laughs) I'm hoping we see more Big Ed because I hope that's that's all we see of him this season. I'll get annoyed. We'll see
2: more because tomorrow Emily's gonna tweet about it and it's gonna
0: happen.
1: Yeah, I want him to like do some bookhouse boy stuff.
0: I want to see the bookhouse boys together. I want to see him go in the Black Lodge.
2: Prediction is. Is Bobby a Bookhouse boy now? Yes. Yes. Okay, we're all on the same page. That didn't generate as much conversation as I thought it would, but yes, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna tweet about Big Ed because last time I tweeted about Big Ed and it worked, and the time before that I said, "Oh, I think we're gonna get some mention of Chet Desmond in this episode," and then we did. Yes.
2: Yeah, you're on fire. Keep them coming. Keep
0: doing it. Geo, do do you know who else was an original Bookhouse boy as well? Do you remember an original? Yeah, like one of the from the original series. Um. Emily?
1: Um.
2: Uh, Aside from Truman, I'm trying to think of who else. Oh no. God, that's right. He was.
1: Yeah, but then (laughs) they kick him out because he plays that stupid song.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's That's exactly what happens. That's the fume
1: song. No we can't
2: <laughs> Fighting
0: crimes together Forever Except Chad That's great um, I think that's all we've got time for this week um, <laughs> Thanks for coming on Patrick Because we had you for this week and last week
2: No thank you I, I, I have a great time Whenever I come on the show Except when you play the song <laughs> But aside from that
0: Rude. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, yeah. Thank you for uh, hosting us, and just if anyone doesn't know, go to radiofreepodcast.com because Patrick's site is the best. He helps us out, and he has loads of other great pods on there. Have you got any other plugs we want to do, Emily?
1: Um, Fessy, just if you want to email us anything, you can do that at houseanypod. You can also tweet us at HowsAnniePod. Um, please follow us on there. Um, generally during the week, if there's tweets, it's from Charlie. And then because uh, the UK is now getting the show later than the US, um, I've been live tweeting for the last couple of episodes. So come like, play with us. That'd be fun. Oh, and rate us on iTunes.
0: Please. Patrick? Well,
2: just uh, follow me on Twitter, at Bonfrisco, that's B-O-N-F-R-I-S-C-O, um, or follow the network at Podcasting, and the website again is uh, radiofreepodcasting.com.
0: Okay, cool. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back next time to discuss part 14, as we edge closer and closer towards the epicenter of Twin Peaks, and towards the end of The Return, which will be very sad. God, three weeks left.
1: Oh, man. How is that possible? Just three
0: weeks. Because we got a double episode, I believe, is on the final week. So it's one, two. Yep. Three weeks. Not fun. But anyway, until then. Goodbye.
1: Bye. Bye. How
0: it How it
1: The Roadhouse is proud to welcome James Hurley. Killed that guy. He's the one I told you about.
2: You didn't kill him too good, Ray.